Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. We are now in our 19th or 20th year here on VoiceAmerica.com. It's a wonderful opportunity to interview amazing experts who empower us. That's what this is all about. My show's always been about empowerment for the past four decades. And today is no exception. I have on a great guest. Today we're really going to talk about, um, you know, post-COVID, and, and we're, we're still into COVID, but what are the opportunities to work? And what is this, what changes and how do we unleash our potential during this time? Because conditions certainly have changed. How do we make the most of that? My guest is MJ Kaplan. She coaches leaders, teams, and whole communities across the globe to make a better, faster progress on the work that matters. She founded Kaplan Consulting in 2000, And she guides businesses and social purpose organizations to master adaptive strategy and human-centered tech-enabled operations. 20 years later, every enterprise in her complex and fragile world must be resilient and adaptive and innovative. And that goes for all of us in our world. She continues to keep her lifelong commitment to equity and diversity and inclusion, which we need now more than ever including personal learning journeys about race and justice, as she co-creates systems of change at all levels. And today we'll discuss how to persist during chaos as individuals and the workplace are pushing toward better work and a better life. Welcome, MJ. Thanks. It's great to be with you. You too. Well, this couldn't come at a better time. I mean, everything you're doing is such timely work and so important. So tell us about your work and the focus and how you chose this? Sure. Well, very early in my career, what I noticed was that people were pursuing their passions in terms of a field of interest. But I found that almost everyone I spoke to felt that their workplace was really a mess. They had Mm. bad bosses, turf, stifling Mm -hmm. bureaucracy, and terribly Mm -hmm. toxic politics. Uh, I noticed in particular that women, you know, really felt like it was often a hostile environment. And so I gravitated towards the question, why is this and, and what can we do about it? And early on, I decided, you know, that was my calling. Yeah. So how did you, how did you pursue that? Did you, were you working in a company? Did you start doing consulting? How did you, because this is something that companies don't hire for. You have to go in there and say, you need this. So how did you do that? Yeah. You know, one of my first jobs, I was working actually for a new governor in my home state of Ohio, and they were doing a reorganization as, you know, whether you're a new CEO or somebody coming in to lead a new organization. And one of my assignments was to do some work around consolidation of lots of different departments coming together. So mm-hmm. merging, redesign, and one of the issues was space reorganization. And I interviewed people and found that people were fanatic about their desire to have bigger offices, windows, doors were premium. And I came to appreciate sort of all the emotion that people had around mm-hmm. status, power, yeah. Um, 
but it really wasn't about whether or not they were doing good work or whether or not good work was happening collaboratively. So Mm -hmm. again, I was just fascinated by that. And I started taking on more and more projects really around collaboration, how teams could work together. And I found that there was a real gap between what the people at the top talked about in terms of team building values around alliance and what really was going on. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, I think the question is, you know, why, why are so many things broken structure and management and culture? I mean, why are we in this sort of hierarchy and power grab Um, What's your feeling about that? Well, I I think, unfortunately, we don't think about really the design that we've inherited from, unbelievably, the industrial age over 100 years ago. I mean, that structure was created um, for a whole different era, and it was created to break down work into mundane tasks and maximize productivity. So... We're working with, you know, that legacy, and frankly, it's, it's about um, having some people be the thinkers and some people be the doers and being, you know, terribly controlled. Um, mm-hmm. But what we know, uh, the, the writer Daniel Pink wrote in this great book, Drive, that what we know motivates people is three basic things. Autonomy, being able to direct your own lives, mastery, being able to learn and get better at something, and mm-hmm. purpose having, you know, caring about something. And so there's this disconnect between the power and control and structure that we have in businesses and what actually motivates people to be energized and engaged. Hmm. How do you think COVID is affecting all of this and the need for people to work remotely? Is this helping because they're more independent uh, and they're happier or not or both? You know, first of all, I think we need to realize that lots of people were working remotely before COVID. Um, I, for one, was and and really successfully. But the difference between COVID and, and, you know, the the remote work before and what happened um, when we all were forced to go to work is that, you know, people did not have good workplaces set up. They had kids at home. There were lots of stressors, even, you know, of course, people dealing with illnesses, either themselves or loved ones. So it was an immediate shift. And there was sort of the good, the bad and the ugly. Some of the good was people were learning new skills super fast. You know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Um, People were also finding they were more productive. And they were more flexible and they could get a lot more done in much less time. And many people really liked that and said that they don't want to go back to, you know, the the politics and a lot of the, um, you know, the time that's not well spent in the office. But not everybody. Yeah, it's interesting. I teach currently a lot of almost daily corporate webinars for big companies, and I do them on coping with COVID-19 and how do you handle the children? How do you handle working from home? How do you handle the crises? And um, I think what you're saying is is very true. And in addition, I do think people have gotten closer to their family members. Many times they didn't even know their family that well. So it's been a time for more time for themselves to get to know their family. There are some stresses absolutely about a lot of people in a small space. They have to work around that. That's why routines are so important and communication is important. But I think it's taught people some some good skills. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think that what we'll find, you know, if you take the, um, you know, the flip side, people are missing the opportunity to be together as human beings at work. And there's a lot of things that happen in the in-between that we're missing. So I think we're going to find the future is about some hybrid model. It's not going to be a one-size-fits-all either for employees or employers. I agree. But I'll tell you, I mean, aren't we lucky that we have technology? 20 years ago, we didn't have the visual, you know, that was just in its infancy then. And then look at the look at the pandemic of 1918, where they had nothing. So I mean, the technology, I think, is saving us in terms of connection. Even if I can't be with you, I can see you. And that makes a big difference. I think it's, you know, we've known for a long, long time, I would dare say, you know, at least three or four decades that people are highly disengaged at work. Gallup does stats about that. And 85% of people say they're not engaged at work. And that, that number hasn't changed. But what's changed now, I think, is the technology is allowing us to radically rethink what's possible. And COVID fast forwarded that by, you know, I think, um, you know, a number of years because we are forced immediately to say what is possible and should we rethink, you know, some basic premises of how work happens. Yeah, and I do think, again, on the personal side, people, you know, have found some advantages and really, you know, engaging with their family more than they did before. And But I also hear the ones that are, you know, successful with the work, remote work, are often those who work with their company remotely. So they do the Zoom calls, they do the WebEx calls, and they stay in touch. And that that makes a big difference, don't you think? Absolutely. Totally. Yep. I mean, I I think it's important that they... um, they understand that, and because uh, the communication, and, and we've asked those questions, you know, are you communicating more now, the same or less with your employer? And many say more, but many, some say less as well. And, you know, I think when you don't communicate and you break that down, you start having isolation, and I think that's where the issues start. What do you think? Well, I think that's true. I mean, definitely people are feeling isolated, but I also think we've got to think about the quality of the communication. I think that's as important as anything. So, you know, FaceTime used to be such a big thing in the office, but the issue really is, is the communication we're having is the work we're doing together adding value. And is, are we feeling like we're doing great work? And if you can say yes, then I think to be honest, in some ways, it doesn't matter as much if you're remote or not remote. So if you're set up with good relationships enabled by technology with the intention to let people be creative um, and, and sort of unleash their talent, I think you're going to find that that's more important than whether or not people are working from a home office or a decentralized office. I agree. Or coming I into agree. The, yeah. Yeah, and I think the type of communication that you just talked about, really listening and the empathetic listening is really important. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, MJ, if people want to know more, and we'll do this for each segment, how do they find you? Um, Well, they can find me through my website, uh, kaplanconsult.com, or directly, um, mjkaplan at kaplanconsult.com, at mjkaplan on on Twitter. Uh, So all sorts of different ways. Good. Okay. And I'm right, going to take, too, of course. Um, 
We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk more to MJ Kaplan um, about how can we learn from organizations that are resilient, adaptive, innovative, and equitable, and what are some of the stories she has. And I have a couple myself with one I'm working with that's amazing. They're out there, and we need those role models, so that's what we're going to hear about next. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The special needs community is made up of many individuals, from children with Down syndrome to autism and ADHD issues to those who may have suffered a brain injury. On More Than Special, host Jermaine Suford and her guests explore topics that are of interest to special needs children and adults. Our program is a forum for parents, caregivers, and experts to come together to discuss relevant topics. Listen every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back, and we are talking to MJ Kaplan, who founded Kaplan Consulting in 2000, and she guides businesses and social purpose organizations to master adaptive strategy and human-centered tech-enabled operations. And today we are talking about, you know, how she helps companies in the workplace push toward better work and a better life. And before we ended the first break, we said that we're going to talk next about organizations she has worked with who are resilient, adaptive, innovative, and equitable. So take it away, MJ. We need to hear this. We need to hear the the to make it happen. Well, the, the first thing I wanted to point out, I love to share the story of W.L. Gore. They're the company that founded Gore-Tex because yeah. Bill Gore, he founded it really um, with the idea that people were the most precious asset. And if you support them, 
to work together and to innovate, then that's what will create a great company. He founded it with his wife in 1958, and they have just soared since then. They're always um, voted as a best employer. They're a $3.8 billion company, a global company. And, um, you know, they call their employees associates, and they have stock ownership because they really believe that it's the employees collectively that get the results. So I just, I'd like to share about Gore because um, this is, I think, creating great organizations that really value the employees as the best asset. It's, it's a state of mind. It's an intention. It's a design. It's not something that necessarily has to be new, but they're, you know, they have been a pioneer and now more and more companies are, are understanding that and they're breaking away from their competition. Yeah, which is so important. I work with the company, and I've interviewed the um, the CEO for years on my show every quarter. It's called Bama Industries. They make all the apple pies and fast food desserts for McDonald's and Walmart. They've had McDonald's for 35 years as a client. They've never left. And it's, it's just an amazing company. They call their employees team members. And she's just, she wrote a book called Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. They do all the same things you talked about. And they have a lot lot of longevity in their company. People love it there. And it's, uh, they're always doing personal growth work. They really care. They have counseling. They have, you know, they have a, a gym for their employees. I mean, they really, they have a lot. And so it does make a big difference. And I know what you mean. And this is a person who, you know, when we talk, and we've talked for, for quite a few years now, she really believes in the power of the team member. And, yeah. you know, and, and she will meet with them. She may meet with them with their, you know, with the person they report to, but she will meet with them, which I think yeah. is unusual. Yeah. So I heard yeah. your Go interview ahead. with her. I heard your interview, oh. which was excellent. And I think they're, they're a B-certified company, if I recall. Uh-huh. Do you remember I that? So. I, so, and I wanted to talk a little later. I'll share a little bit more about what that means to be B certified. But yeah, um, yeah, that was a fantastic interview. One of the companies yeah. I wanted to call out, I think, is one of the best stories in the um, in the whole planet. Um, it's called Bertsorg, and it's in the Netherlands. And it was a bunch of nurses that did home health. And as you know, uh, my mother has been ill, and we've been dealing with um, home health care. And, you know, it's just extraordinarily difficult work. And these were nurses who were frustrated by the bureaucracy in their companies and the focus on profits and, you know, sort of a corporate feel. And they broke off in 2006 and they formed one team where the nurses would do everything. They would Mm -hmm. schedule, they would do budgeting, the nursing too, you know, manage the P&L, all the work. And now there are 11,000 nurses and 4,000 domestic helpers that that are in this company, and they um, are hyper-empowered. They manage, um, a, you know, a, a territory, each of them, and they do everything. So the back office, you know, the things we think about as management um, is in support to them. They're really, they're almost no managers at all, um, mm. and they're trained in things like decision-making and conflict resolution and peer-to-peer coaching so they can work through issues without needing to get third parties, which is or what managers are in, you know, in the middle. And they, they have the benchmark in virtually every area of performance, you know, growth, profit, customer satisfaction, everything. And so, you know, this is the new model. It's, it's really a network of networks rather than the hierarchy, the org chart with all these different levels 
um, where we're sort of boxed in to do very prescribed roles. Um, so and what kind of company just, is it again? You said it's nurses and yeah. uh, to explain they what do they home do. Health. Yeah, they do home health. So, yeah. you know, they are the nurses that go into homes when mm-hmm. people need health, whether it's mm-hmm. um, someone who's sick or elderly or has special mm-hmm. needs. Um, they go in and are, they're the care providers and they do it for the whole country. Yeah, that's really wonderful. Yeah, that's incredible. What do you think are the keys? I mean, when you think about these companies you're talking about, what are the keys? Is it is it teamwork? Is it that they really value their members and they value their input and they pay them well? And they're what do you think? Is it all of that? Well, it is all of that, um, although I'd say the key is the intentionality. It's like having the, um, the belief, the mental model that people really are the asset and not the expense. Um, and so having that intention, having a clear idea of what the purpose is of what you're trying to create together and understanding that people are what will create the value, then you build all the rest of the structures around that. So one example would be um, giving people a great deal of autonomy so they can make decisions as close to the customer as possible, whatever the business is. So I'll give you an example of that. Another radical company is a company called the Morningstar Company. They are the largest and most profitable tomato processor. They have 25% of uh, California's tomato production and 40% of the industrial tomato paste and diced tomatoes yeah. for the whole U.S. So I like mm-hmm. to bring up Morningstar because we think of these companies often as tech companies or professional mm-hmm. services, but they really are in virtually every industry. And th- they are radical because people do not have jobs and they do not have bosses. They negotiate roles on an annualized basis with their peers. So they have something that's called a colleague letter of understanding. And it's, mm. it's transparent. It's online. Everybody sees everybody's agreement. And that's what they commit to for the year. And the, um, Chris Rufer, who founded the company, says that people will do their best work when they're freed up to mm. um, pursue where their passions are and what they're good at, what they want to learn. And then mm. they're accountable to their team to deliver. We call yeah. it reputational capital. Yeah. That it's their reputation for um, doing good work. And it's not always that, you know, it's not that they don't stumble or make mistakes or fail. It's right. that they have the support of their team. So if they get stuck somewhere, you know, the team works to help right. each other. And I don't think people realize how important that is. I mean, I see it with myself even when I do consulting work. If you don't have those people behind you and you feel by yourself, uh, it, it's, you don't produce the same quality. It's hard to, right. because there's right. a whole bunch of, you know, you're not sure you trust, you're not sure you're doing it right. I mean, it's just so important to have that support. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and um, you know, another thing that I think is really important is some companies will try to make these changes, and so they'll give people close to the customer more authority, but they don't give them the information, the access to information to be able to make great decisions. So unless information is accessible transparently to people, you know, they're going to be stuck. It's like giving them the responsibility, but having them be blind. So, mm. you know, there are a number of factors. It's not just giving people 
you know, uh, an opportunity to make decisions, but you have to give them the support and the access to information um, to be able to make good decisions. Yeah, that, that's a, so important. All right. Well, we're going to take a break in a minute. So, um, again, if you want to share how people can find you, do you do um, coaching with companies? Do you work with individuals? How do you work? Yeah, I do both. Um, so I do a lot of um, one-on-one coaching. Um, and I work um, with executive teams. Sometimes I work across a whole company with a smaller company. And I also do work in, in the social space. So sometimes I'm working with um, multiple organizations, for instance, that might be working to change a public policy issue to improve, you know, housing or... Um, you know, some other community issues so that... And you've worked in in the public sector, right? You've worked in the public sector. I have. I've worked in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors, and, you know, I really love that multi-stakeholder work. It's very messy, but, you know, it's... Most of our most complex issues have to be solved by the different sectors working together. Um, So I find that work really, you know, really important, really satisfying. Very difficult, however. Yeah, of course. I know. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about um, resiliency and innovative policies and companies. We'll talk about um, leadership and, you know, what is a good leader and what is the key to leadership? Is it culture? Is it size? What makes a difference? So we'll talk a lot about uh, leadership and also more about innovation and adaptability and being innovative and resilient in companies. All right, folks, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens, 
every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We're talking about how companies can be more resilient, adaptive, innovative, and equitable with my guest, MJ Kaplan, who is the, who founded Kaplan Consulting in 2000. And she really helps people across the globe make better, faster progress on the work that matters. And she, again, works with companies so that they can become more adaptive and innovative. She also is committed to equity and diversity and inclusion. And so we're looking at today, how do we persist during chaos as individuals and in the workplace toward being better at our work and better at our life? So welcome back, MJ. All right. Let's talk about leadership. Give us the keys for leadership. There's many theories. There are many schools of thought on leadership. But what makes a good leader? And and, um, do you think the key to leadership is structure, size, or culture, or all of it? Well, I I think that at the heart of the best leadership is openness, is the pursuit of constant learning and humility. And what I find is, you know, leaders, even of some of the biggest companies in the world, um, they realized that they just couldn't possibly have all the answers. They certainly got to where they are because you know, of their success and their intelligence and their capability. But one uh, main reason why they are adapting their companies is because they understand they need to tap the collective intelligence of their people more effectively. And for these big companies in particular, they just have to dramatically flatten so people can operate in a self-managed way, be close to the market, and be really adaptive because the pace of change is so fast these days. Yeah. So yeah, that's so. why I think of leadership. And just think about all the things. You, you did a show a couple of weeks ago um, that I was able to listen to. And you talked about, you know, all of the chaos and complexity going on now. Mm. It's not just COVID. You know, mm-hmm. COVID has begotten the economic crisis, but we also, we have racial unrest. Um, yeah. in the midst of this, you know, dramatic election cycle and yeah. all these changes and effects of climate change, fires, yeah. hurricanes, yeah. just unprecedented. And so the economy. And the economy. And the economy, because, yeah. right. Yeah. So no matter, you know, what, and it doesn't really matter what your business is. Some are affected more than others and in different ways than others. But if you're a leader, you have got to have your finger on the pulse of all this yeah. complexity. And you have to be figuring out how can we together figure out how to be adaptive rather than thinking I have the answer. Well, you know, I'll tell you, MJ, my feeling is if, if anything, if one good thing has come out of this and several have, but it, it, it is the um, accentuated uh, belief that we have to work together because we're seeing the isolation. I mean, we're now in it. So people are now realizing, oh, you know, I better communicate more effectively. 
I better, you know, be with more people and, you know, in terms of discussion and working together. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, right after COVID hit, when, you know, there was that mad dash home for everyone, there was something that flew around Twitter and it was um, the founders of Basecamp, which is, you know, like a project management platform. And, and they were sending a letter from the founders just before people went home and, an, and another company that I think was, you know, anonymous. And the letter from Basecamp said, dear, dear everybody, you know, we're, we hope you're doing okay. We're going to take off Friday and Monday so you can be home, get your house in order. And of course, we have deadlines and a commitment to do great work for our customers but first, you all have to take care of yourselves and do what's right, you know, to be healthy and safe as a family. Mm-hmm. And then this other one was sort of like, you better, you know, get your tools and be uh, ready to work harder than ever because we're going to be, you know, keeping an eye on that. You know, it was just a completely different message, um, yeah. sort of big brother-ish. And I well, think, and there's, and, you know, but that's fear-based too, don't you think? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, um, it's fear-based and it's control-based. Right. Um, it's just, it's not human. It's, you know, and it's profit-oriented. It's like the, out of the worry that, you know, we're, we don't know what you're doing. You're not going to be under our nose. So we're going to, you know, have to figure out how to keep an eye on you. You know, hopefully, hopefully with everything's going on, these things are going to change. Because I think, um, you know, we need to get back to civility Right? Cooperation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's such a real need for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really we, important. We were talking a little bit earlier. You know, we both have adult children out in the work world. And, you know, I think their whole, you know, the millennials and the up and coming, um, you know, adults, they're all looking for something very different at work. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now, of course, we're in a difficult time because of the effect of COVID. But, you know, they are going, the talent is always going to have an opportunity to push for what they care about. And right now it's very clear that um, they care about purpose. They mm-hmm. care about um, flexibility. Um, and they care about being treated and, and appreciated as whole human beings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember years ago I was working, um, I worked internally at MetLife for many years. And um, I was the first, um, you know, sort of, senior management level person to be given the opportunity to work part time. And Mm. um, people started coming to me because they just wanted that flexibility. And so I convened a, you know, sort of an open forum for people interested to know more about it. And much to my surprise, to be honest, this is a couple of decades ago. um, It was not all moms, you know, it wasn't new moms. Um, It was, uh, women and men of all different ages because there were all different reasons that maybe they wanted flexibility to balance their work and their home life. Um, and for me at the time, it was having young children. But for others, it might be that they were in a band or writing a novel or caring for an elder and many other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I also want to talk a little bit about the Me Too movement you know, in energizing Black Lives Matter and since the killing of George Floyd. Uh, George Floyd, um, Do you think it's put a bright light on equity and inclusion? I mean, do you think there's an opening for progress on this issue? I really do think there is. I mean, you know, I would say cautiously optimistic. Um, I think what's happened is that we're having a whole different kind of conversation. 
you know, and, and I think, you know, there, there are periods, if you think of broad social and, and workplace history, there are periods where we make more progress and then we sort of, you know, things quiet down a bit. And I think it, this is one of those moments. For sure, you know, I think the Me Too movement, um, it sort of demonstrated how widespread uh, harassment was. And I think now, you know, the, the discussion happening about Black Lives Matter is doing the same thing in terms of recognizing um, how on the margins people of color feel in the workplace and, you know, certainly in the community. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, things like, you know, promotions and who's on boards and investment for startups, all these things have um, racial and gender bias baked into them. And, you know, again, sort of like the idea that hierarchy is the organiza- way organizations work. I think we don't, we normally sort of go through life without noticing um, those baked in biases, but right now we're noticing so we have to step oh. back and say, so what do we do yeah. about it? Yeah. I mean, we're noticing constantly. And I mean, it's really come to a head if you think about it. So It has come to a head. Yeah, yeah. it really has. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, another thing with COVID is, you know, people have kiddos on their laps and, you know, you can tell some people have very expansive second homes and other people are working out of a closet. So, you know, it it also sheds light on a lot of, different stressors that people have and the pressures of um, family life relative to work life. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit more about the companies that you've worked with that you have found inspiring or maybe a company when you walked in MJ and you, they gave you some challenges to help them solve you were help them work through it. So maybe a before and an after of a company you worked with. Well, I'm going to give an example of one company, and I um, it's a manufacturing company. I'm not going to name names, uh, right? Of course, to, to uh, protect them. Right. But they're a manu a rural um, manufacturing company, and I'll give an example. They almost went bankrupt when jobs were going overseas, and this company. Uh, dug in their heels and said, you know, we want to figure this out. And we want to be producing not only a fantastic product, but we want to be a best employer, you know, around. And we want to care for our people and not just, you know, as individuals, but as parts of, you know, as, as family members and community members. And as a result, um, they, you know, they've done very well. But they had to step back and sort of think about as they were growing, like what, what does community mean to us? Who is our community and how are we going to support them? So that is the work, you know, that we embarked on and um, you have many communities. And I think one of the things sort of talking about, um, you know, the change in broader systems is we used to think it was just the shareholders were the community. Um, and more and more, we're acknowledging, you know, where you reside is a community. So if you're Amazon and you're going to come put a big new distribution warehouse in, you know, how's that going to affect the rest of the community? And I was just going to say this company I was telling you about, Bama Company, um, they were very community minded. 
I mean, they even, they were, I think there were some fires a few years ago, and they actually went to another state and helped their competitor, who also did, uh, you know, food production, because they wanted to, yeah, you know. Yeah, I saw that yeah. on your podcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm so. pretty sure, if I recall, they're, they're B certified, and not a lot of people necessarily know what that means, but it's a designation that you can get as a company that you meet very high social and environmental standards and also that you um, have transparency in terms of your governance. Yes, so they're, it's, a it's B, they're a B like, corporation. Yes, they're a B yeah. company. Yep. So and it a says lot of people it's a heard of that, but it's sort of like fair trade, you know, or lead yeah. environmental businesses. It's so yeah. it's that you're balanced in terms of how you treat your people, yeah. um, your environmental impact, as well as as your governance. And there are more and more B Corps um, every yeah. day. It's a, it's a global movement. Let me read you something here. The B Corp certification is a huge accomplishment for Bama. This achievement allows others to see the culture we've been cultivating here at our Tulsa-based Bama companies for 80 years. Bama endured an 18-month-long process during which all of our processes were reviewed and scrutinized in order to ensure that we met the highest standards for social and environmental ethics, transparency, and accountability. Just what you said. Yeah, it's very rigorous, and I, I gather under COVID that the number of companies um, that are pursuing that certification is growing. Um, I think there are 30, around 3,500 B Corps, 70 countries, 150 wow. industries, and you know there um, are many smaller companies, but Patagonia is B certified. I know for me... Um, I do a lot of, you know, yoga and, and other sports, and I go to Athleta because they're a B-certified company, and that means yeah. something to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Allbirds, the shoe company for New Zealand, is, is a B-certified company. Yeah. So more and more, of course, many that are, um, you know, products that are um, customer-facing, but many other companies are seeing that the idea of demonstrating publicly that they're balancing um, profits with also doing the right thing in terms of caring for their employees, their communities, and the environment. Okay. Um, I think we're going to just take a very quick break, and we'll come right back with MJ, and we're going to talk about the work she's doing on social enterprise boards. So stay tuned, folks. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, and we're going to take a short break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back, and we are talking to MJ Kaplan about how companies can be more resilient, adaptive, innovative, and equitable so that their team members and their employees and their associates really want to be there. And so that's what MJ does. She uh, really helps people and guides them. She is founded Kaplan Consulting in 2000 to guide businesses and and social purpose organizations so they can be more human-centered. All right. So welcome back. We have one more segment, uh, MJ. Let's talk about your two social enterprise boards, what they are, how it relates to people-centric organizations. Sure. Well, for those who might not know the term social enterprise, it's sort of a hybrid model where businesses um, are addressing solving some sort of social or environmental issue, but they're using a market-based way of bringing in income as opposed to donations or philanthropy. So I got interested in this, um, frankly, after the last recession, and I started working with students at Brown University, and they were so innovative in terms of creating businesses from the get-go that were combining a social purpose, but also using a marketplace model. And I was so impressed by that, that I've actually been, you know, increasingly involved um, globally in that field. So here in Rhode Island, where I'm based, I'm part of the Social Enterprise Greenhouse Board, which is really building a whole environment in the region to grow social enterprise businesses. Um, And I'm also quite involved uh, globally in, in doing that as well. Um, and I'm, I joined a social enterprise a number of years ago, a tech startup called Lumio that supports collaborative decision-making. Um, so it's a, a social enterprise where people come together online to move from communication to decision. And, um, you know, as a, a software service company, that revenue then is plowed back in to support collaboration for people in communities. Which is so great. those are the two boards that I sit on. And, um, you know, I think it, social enterprise is really um, enabling companies from the get-go to be able to be balanced and care about both their people and to make a positive impact in the world. And so, that, you know, they don't have to go through the transformation to try to adjust from too much mm. focus on profit. They're doing that mm. from the beginning. It's embedded, woven into the DNA yeah. of the organization. 
So, MJ, with all of this turmoil going on, are you more pessimistic or optimistic? You know, I'm a glass half full person at heart. Um, I think, you know, we are in sort of epic transformation, and I think we're yes. right in the middle of it. I yep. think, um, you know, inequity, to be honest, has been pushing this gap bigger and bigger between the haves and have-nots. And I think yep. a lot of the turmoil is that we need to get back to balance. We need to do that for sure with climate change, but I think we need to do that with income equality, racial inclusion, um, and and the turmoil is a reflection that you know we're out of out of balance. So I believe that this is sort of the pain that's um, going to uh, drive us towards better solutions, better models, um, and I just think we have to be more human centered. Um, you know we. The people are the asset. Um, you know, work is all about creating value to have people and, and communities be healthier. So I, I am optimistic, um, you know, not Pollyannish, but I would say cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah and I, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I think there's some positive things that will come out of this. What would be your closing message? How would you like to, would you like to leave our listeners with today, MJ? I guess if you're um, uh, a worker, an employee, uh, as opposed to working for yourself, I would say really think about what are the ingredients that support you to do your best work and then um, try look at where you're working and try to be an advocate for the changes that will support you to do your best work. Don't be satisfied, um, you know, with checking out at work because it, it's not. And then I would say in the broader issues as um, citizens, community members, human beings, you know, we should expect that business is a force for good. Um, so I think, you know, let's, let's think about that as consumers, um, as community members, and let's do our part. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on the program. Really. I really so enjoyed it. Thank you so thank much, you. Patricia. Oh, thank you. What, tell, uh, what's your website? www.kaplanconsult.com Okay. People can find you there and write to you there as well? Yes, of course. Sure. All right. Thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Uh, If you're interested in knowing more about my programs, you can write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list. And every month I have a list, and it's on my website as well, that will explain who the guests are. Also, if you, you know, are listening to a lot of podcasts and programs, and you think, gee, I'd like to have my own podcast, contact me. I help people put them together and craft them. And we have many of them, but it's a, it's a great way to communicate, particularly in today's world. All right, folks, until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week. And I'm going to say bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.